Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma samputasa namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma samputasa namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma samputasa utang damang sankhang namasami. So one of the basic um, practices that we have the Buddha presented as a means for well-being and also for clearing, liberating the compulsions, the habits, the reflexes, the places where we're caught and uh, reactive. Mm. Practice of mindfulness of breathing and just being sensitive to breathing seems a very uh, simple thing and also perhaps a not very far-reaching thing but yeah as you develop that sense of receptivity to it the rhythm of it the effect it has on the body. Training the mind, <coughs> training the mind to to receive and attend to the breathing rather than control the breathing. There's mm. a profound effect on freeing up some of our stagnant places and our tight places and our frenzied places and our reactive places our fearful places and our defensive places which are all when you feel them you feel yourself going tight or hard or spinning speedy or held down compressed, shut in you know, when we get into these places and we don't hardly even really fully recognize it because when you're in these places suddenly it all you know we're we're kind of we're not really tuned in we actually go out of tune and just start reacting and um you know panicking lashing out closing down blaming others blaming ourselves going these kind of compulsive habits psychological habits yeah. and again and again and again and all the stories that get built up on those of who we are and what the world is and what other people are yeah. sometimes it's only really going through these again and again and again that you realise you've really got to come to terms with this yeah. anger and the Resentment and the feeling oppressed, or the defensiveness and the fearfulness and the blaming and judging habits. So we've got to think about ourselves and try to be better, which is a noble enough idea. But one thing that's very helpful, I don't think it's the only thing, but mindfulness of breathing is very helpful because with that, 
you start to come back to a, a more healthy, restful, relaxed state of being. More tuned in, more sensitive. Less compulsive. You can feel how these uh, habits, the oppressive habits we have, which first of all we assume they're just you know, psychological. We have a strong kind of division in uh, our understanding between body, physical, and mind, non-physical. You know, completely different things. But actually, you only have one nervous system. You don't have two nervous systems. You only have one basic nervous system, which operates according to um, decision, you know, so the motor nerves, which tell you, you know, you want to do something, your arms lift. You also have a lot of them are reflexes. You don't decide to get, suddenly get flustered and you feel this kind of tightening in your chest. You don't decide to tighten your chest up when you feel frightened. It just happens. (laughs) Or you get the knots in your guts when you get fearful. Hmm? Don't decide to do it. It just happens. Or you feel a sense of flush and warmth and openness when you, you meet people you like. You feel that kind of rising up in the chest and that don't decide to do that. It just happens. So you've got a whole lot of reflex systems that are happening autonomously and they're very much associated with our psychology. So though they, you know, you can, you can see or understand their psychological, mental and emotional um, patterns is my friends. Oh, this is like a tough scene. You know, I'm feeling threatened. Oh, oh that looks like I really want some of that. You can also sense them as, as body effects, getting speeded up, getting tightened up, coming up into your head, closing down, hunching your shoulders, gripping the guts. The two are very... It happens simultaneously. But of course we don't tend to make a story out of the bodily effects. We really go for the, the mental stuff and start adding all the details and the stories in. So our, you know, these are very complex stories. You know, people can bring up my intimidation complexes or my authority issues or my you know, feeling of being left out and rejected or these kind of things. And uh, I don't think they decide to do that. People touch certain, do certain things, it touches certain buttons and all these things start happening. And so we can feel ourselves very much just like a puppet, you know, getting jangled, getting wound up by the world around us. So when you practice with meditation you you don't necessarily try to change the world but you, you begin to sense where your triggers are in your nervous system you know, in your nervous attitudes in your psychology and you think well, if we can just actually just pause there and maybe just breathe out and breathe in and just put the reaction on hold See so if you come out of that reaction. As the breathing in and breathing out introduces this 
simple, calm, homing energy. You feel yourself centered, settled. Ah, here I am. I'm not out there being got at or having to deal with something or wanting something or I'm in here. Breathing in, breathing out, which happens by itself. I don't have to make it happen. It's taken care of. It keeps me alive. There's a kind of sense of warmth, comfort and ease associated with simply breathing in and breathing out. So we pick that message up and tune to that. And you develop it as a way of life, really. As a way of when you come into these tight places where you feel squeezed, or these reactive places where you feel rushed, you know, then you just check that and then what's happening with your breathing? And you realize you, you know, your shoulders are rising, your chest is closing down, and just breathing in, breathing out, softening, widening, grounding. And just be with that for a few moments. See if suddenly that the psychological attitude doesn't have the bodily base to feed it doesn't have the that neurology doesn't feed it it starts to kind of fade loses its food it loses its anchorage so you clean the body of these reactive uh, areas and the, the the psychological stuff starts to wither by itself because mm. of course basically we're supposed to be able to be fear, you know. It's really very, very dangerous if we didn't have a fear mechanism. You know, walking along, human race would never survive without fear. <laughs> fear of, you know, lions, fear of sharp things, fear of death, things like that. So, yeah, it's supposed to have fear. Anger is a way of just kind of suddenly gathering all your resources to defend yourself. Human race wouldn't have survived without rage. <laughs> you know, it's a kind of rallying thing to just marshal all your resources. And of course there are positive things as well, in the kind of nurturing instinct in us, which actually reaches out and wants to hold and embrace and, and um, take care of things. But the point is that when these buttons are get these triggers, these energies are getting pushed, the buttons are getting pushed, actually there isn't a saber-toothed tiger attacking you, it's just the computer breaking down you know, there isn't uh, an, an army attacking you, it's just um, you know, somebody failing to turn up on time there's no point in getting angry and upset, if the car's broken down, you can and kick the tire it won't make it go any better You know, and we just, or when a plane's late, you know, you sit in an airport, a plane's now three hours late, and people start getting angry. Okay. You know, so the plane's going to come any earlier? Nope. <laughs> you know, it can't help it. It's a sort of reaction to um, not getting what one wants, feeling frustrated. Yeah. But actually, when the Things break down, it's just just to breathe in and breathe out, wait. So you gradually start to understand and, and find yourself able to dismantle some of these some of these um, 
psychologies. And that's a basic principle. And it's good to cultivate mindfulness of breathing, making it very, just a very simple reference. Nothing too subtle or refined, or just first thing to wake up, morning, starting to come into a kind of sensing then, going to just breathing in and breathing out, feeling where it is. Often when one comes out of sleep, breathing in and breathing out is very shallow. So you just stop breathing, let the breath build up some strength. And just use that, maybe three minutes, you know. Not a whole meditation session, two minutes, three minutes. Just letting that energy pull and consolidate one's sense of being. So you don't kind of stumble out and start doing things and fall downstairs or whatever we do, you know. Lie there, breathing, just coming into this this level of reality in a centered place. This isn't, you know, jhanas, it's just samadhi, it's just basic centering. And then the last thing at night, lying down and breathing in, breathing out. Just like it's the last breath. Just like every out breath, you really let go of the tensions of the day or the plans for tomorrow. There's nothing you can do right now. Just let it be that way. <coughs> you start to trust it rather than make it a whole kind of, um, you know, race course where you've got to be good at it and develop it, you know, in some kind of um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten steps, do this, do that, get on with this, get on to that, get to this point, get to that point, but just using it as a as something you feel a befriend. And then also really getting the sense of the rhythm of breathing in, breathing out. <coughs> when you're walking along, breathe just aware of breathing in and breathing out. How much do you need? How much do you need to take in? When you breathe out, can you let it all go out? Or do you start breathing in halfway through breathing out so your breath gets jerky? Just learning to, to really get more organic. Let the body do the breathing. And it will actually um, steady your whole way of moving around in the world. And so you start to steady, you've got this inner reference you can refer to rather than the kind of jumpy and jangly and shocking and random sense input that comes from what we see and hear in the world around us. A lot of it's electronic. So human beings get wired to electronic systems. You know, you, know, you sit watching a computer game Video, <laughs> you know, things flashing and everything's flashing, traffic lights flash, and you go to a lift and you push the button, the light flash, doors open, you've got to rush in because the door's going to cl- close down on you, and you jump in there and you get to a turnstile, and you've got to get through, before, otherwise the turnstile's going to close and whack you in the guts. See, all the time you're getting sped along by this electronic rhythms, you know. 
and, and you find yourself hurrying when really you don't have a real need to hurry but you're being hurried along <coughs> and in some sense it's just gaining back bringing back your own life to moving at this is the pace I feel good at I feel comfortable with steady with and, you know and just starting to to um, shift one's centering to within the body rather than into the purely electrical and electronic and abstract world around. Then you you see you've got a a template, a sense of a steady, healthy rhythm. And when you follow that rhythm, it's, it's naturally regenerative because the breathing out releases and the, and the pause between the out breath and the in breath gives you a sense of stillness it doesn't have to be very long but as long as it is and then the in breath brings in, regenerates, lifts refreshes you know, and then the pause and so on so you get this inner kind of almost like a energy massage happening and if we try to operate around that and this is you get a sense of this is me this is the state of basic health basic sanity you know it's not completely enlightened you know but it's basic it's something I can relate to so I can know when I'm getting going off you know when I'm going out of sync yeah. And you can sense as you as you sensitize to the breathing how places in your body can be quite closed. You know, tension in the in the ab, in the diaphragm is quite common, or you get a kind of closure uh, under the throat, closed sense. And you come to these places, it's just learning to rest the breathing onto these places and widen, widen your focus, widen and soften, relax, widen and soften, widen and soften, it's like gently stretching leather, you know, you don't rip it, you just gently keep pressing, softening, pressing onto these areas, letting the breathing do it, and feeling the feelings that come up, the agitation that comes up, uh, from particular blocks we have in our system, which are, which are mainly you know, fear-based. The body kind of tightens up. Fear-based. And fear is a very difficult emotion to to um, master. It's the, the perhaps the most basic um, emotion. Reflex. Fear is the lifesaver. Fear is the one that overrides every other mental program because it's supposed to save your life. It's supposed to be something that's got such a powerful kick to it that you don't have to think and figure it out. You just run, scram, get out, alarm, panic, you know. Don't worry about your self image. <laughs> just, you know, it's something that overrides everything. So it's. Now, it's not an easy reflex to to soften because fear is never a decision 
it's never comes from a reasoned analysis of the situation. It, it's the one that is just another, somebody pushes an alarm bell. So you can't reason your way out of fear. You can't say you shouldn't be fearful. That, that you know, you can't do that. You can go to the place of fear, acknowledge what it is. Sometimes it's kind of low-grade nagging, uncertainty, anxiety, not feeling settled, not certain how one is with other people, or the future, or material loss, or you're losing your marbles, or these kinds of things. Five kinds of fear. Buddha said fear of death, fear of pain, physical pain, emotional pain. We wince at that possibility when that seems to be coming our way. Fear of loss of uh, status, loss of how we're seen by others, you know, being abused, mocked, ridiculed. You know, fear of loss of uh, livelihood, fear of loss of sanity, fear you're going to lose it altogether, go bonkers, go depressed, go psychotic, go blow, blow your top, you know, and you get the fear. Generally, what is summarised is a fear of loss of being, being bullied, being overwhelmed, being taken over, <coughs> being controlled by something else. That's the basic signal. And then everything just flashes. Most anger, rage comes out of fear, defence against that which is going to take us over. So this is a very f- basic thing. And... Uh, of course, it's always about something that hasn't actually happened yet. So, so you're never certain. Is this true? Is, it, I mean, is this fear justified or not? Will they? Won't they? Don't know. Does he like me? Does he not? Don't know. Better be on guard just in case. Yeah. And it's the one button, of course, that uh, you know people will. Political systems operate around this, don't they? Fear of the terrorists, fear of the communists, fear of the fascists, fear of the... Who's it going to be this week? Muslims, Negroes, Jews, takeovers. You know. Fear of the Tory party taking over the government. <laughs> Whatever it is. And then we say, we can't have that happen. And uh, because of that, we're prepared to submit to government control for our welfare. Not saying this is necessarily bad, but uh, it can be be abused. Captive state, fear of the enemy. Hmm. So we're prepared to give away our freedom, our our kindness, our <coughs> openness through fear. Ready to give that away. And this is the big one to say, you know, do you want to live your life in fear? Do you need to live your life in fear? Eventually, whether we, however well we defend ourselves, aren't we eventually going to get overwhelmed anyway by sickness, death? How much do you really want to carry around? Is it possible to live with 
openness, courage, faith, and then how will breathing help me to do that? Come to those places where I feel that squeeze, pressure, mistrust, being overwhelmed, being kicked out. So I'm not going to get uptight about it. I'm not going to harden up around that. Just breathe in and breathe out. It's a, it's it's a great um, practice. So if we do die, we die peacefully. And often it takes the whole charge out of a situation. It's going to take some of that tension out of a situation, and it's it's palpable when you don't go into fear, agitation. It has a very palpable effect on. Animals sense it, uh, very much so. Mm. That's why I always reckon that uh, meditators are much more safe in wild places because when they don't exude fear and threat, other wild animals don't mess with them, don't leave them alone, don't don't attack them. This is a very helpful basic practice. Breathing through those places where we feel squeezed and tight, <coughs> shut down, <coughs> hard, judgmental. We also begin to see how these... Um, these kind of fundamental compulsions we have uh, structure us structure us internally structure us externally what I mean is they give us a sense of being in ourselves so we get certain habits that we get familiar with you know, personal habit, personality it's called you know, little things I do Sometimes you have a personality that talks to you all the time, a voice in your head telling you who you are and what you're going to do. particular kind of inner busyness that keeps keeps telling you who you are. Not necessarily directly, but, but in terms of a particular kind of buzziness or a particular kind of depressiveness or a eagerness or, you know, it's, it's, people have different patterns. That's her thumbprint, you know, kind of excitable or or reluctant or, you know, vacillating or, you know, re- strongly reactive. That's his thumbprint. It's like that. Sense it. You know. Someone likes to be busy or someone who doesn't like to be busy or the things we get busy with. We get are kind of structured around in the energetic way, in a psychological way, personality becomes a kind of reference that we go to rather than to our breathing. We go to who we assume we are. You know, when we're squeezed, we go to, 
I'm this, I'm that, you shouldn't do this, you should I'm this, I'm that, or we go to our application or our vacillation or our counterattack or whatever it is, you know, or I can't cope, you know, little me can't cope, or, you know, a rebellion, whatever it is. We get these kind of patterns, behavior patterns that, if you like, are evolved forms of of coming out of fear and need and desire and all this sort of stuff. Evolved patterns. <coughs> we keep going to that. Mm-hmm. It's really useful just, you know, when we get squeezed, when we get, or even we're not getting squeezed, just how we're operating our day, to go to the breathing walking into the room breathing, rather than walking into the room carrying one's personal story. Just be a body breathing, feeling the breathing as we walk in. Know you're breathing in, know you're breathing out. Rather than, I'm one of these, I've got to do this, I'm this kind of person, I'm like this, I'm like, everybody thinks I'm this, they think I'm that, she thinks I'm this, he knows I'm that, you know, kind of stuff. Carrying our narratives around. Personality view is one of what are called the three fetters, three big clumps of uh, obstacles to liberation. The three are personality view and then um, doubt or uncertainty and attachment to systems, structures or conventions or Things of this nature. The way we organize ourselves externally. So personality view is how we organize ourselves internally, you might say. is me. And then the attachment to systems and structures is how we organize ourselves externally. My day, my, my, my systems, my routines, my procedures, my... Little bits and pieces, you know, get up in the morning, have a cup of tea, read the newspaper, switch on the radio, have a lump of toast, feed the dog, water the plant, pat the kid, get in the car, rush like crazy, you know, whatever it is, it's 5 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock, it's time to go to bed, it's Sunday, have a day off, have a kip in bed, get up, it's Friday, payday, go and spend your money, football, Saturday, you know, whatever it is. These aren't kind of religious rituals, these are the daily life systems that, and you're thinking, wow, amazing, isn't it? Every day, is not Friday or Saturday or Monday. It's just light, dark, rain, sun, cold, wind. Me, breathing in, breathing out, feeling happy, feeling sad, worrying, joyful, loving, nostalgic. And all these things, we just fill all that up with Tuesday, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, Friday, you know, Coronation Street, pictures, football. Box it all in, these nice tight little boxes. Well, I'm sorry, I can't do that because it's 8 o'clock on Tuesday. 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Or 5 o'clock next Wednesday, I'll be occupied. 5 o'clock next Wednesday, you know. Wow. We all do this. You know. And it's not that we shouldn't have systems and structures. The Buddha 
himself laid down a whole load of systems and structures, very strongly advocated it. But it's the blind following. So the hindrance is called, or the fetter is called, fondling. Sila vata vata paramasa, fondling. It's like one just kind of starts to use a system to lean on, to hide in, to go to sleep in, to not be awakened, to defend oneself in, to, you know, in keep, you know, use a system like scaffolding. Because your house can't stand up. Rather than a a skillful way to operate in relationship with other beings. And there's a compulsiveness about it. Tell me what to do. And it's an important one, particularly, I think, in monastic life, because we have a lot of systems and structures. Buddha laid down a lot, and there's a lot more since. And we operate in very much a Monday, Tuesday, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, eat the meal by 12 o'clock kind of fashion. And if you don't want to get robotic about it all, it really it calls upon one to actually un- understand this, otherwise you'd become like a marionette. You know, the Buddha himself didn't lay down any rules apparently for 20 years. He said, don't need them right now. Everybody's I've taught is completely liberated. We don't, we all know how to operate because we have this basic inner clarity and sanity, which is based on self-respect, respect for others, virtue, harmlessness, compassion, kindness, clarity, freedom from greed and hatred. Who needs structures, you know? You got it. <laughs> and uh, so that people could eat any old time of day they liked, and so on. And uh, the good old days, yeah? We're nervously looking at their clocks at 11.35. But then over time, you know, people needed it. And he said, I know that people started to get caught in greed, fear, hatred, delusion, so, and then uh, you've got a Sangha that started to become a kind of an organization. So, standards that everyone could follow. And he tried to, but every one of them came purely from an incident. The Buddha didn't have some sort of structure in his head. This is how it's going to be, apart from the basic thing of morality, harmlessness, mendicancy, celibacy. Renunciation, these kind of these basic, and you know, restraint, respect, kindness, harmlessness. But so he didn't have some kind of great, great map of how the sangha ought to be organised, but just let it happen through noticing where it was going wrong and saying, okay, let's put something in there. You know, somebody gets obsessed with kinds of cloth, we'll put a rule in about that. Somebody stashes all kinds of sugar and honey away greedily. He says, well, okay, we put a rule in about that. Somebody starts kind of bad-mouthing somebody else. Okay, we put a rule in about that. You know? He said, so these are all the kind of things that are created because people were not actually tuning into 
to real sanity. We're getting caught. So it's like, you know, rules are a second best. And yet the Buddha did clearly say, this is what will keep everything, hell will hold it all together. So he both was reluctant or not, not, not uh, in a hurry to create rules, but also said, because of these rules, having rules and systems, it will hold the Sangha together even when the Buddha has died. Because not everybody is an arahant. If you're not an arahant, you need structures. You need to, you can operate through systems. You know? Not everybody's completely enlightened. These will help you. But really using them to help rather than as possessions or things to get neurotic about, obsessive around, reactive around. Mm. Because it comes down to the same way, how one organises oneself internally gets compulsive to kind of hold yourself together because you, there's a, a fear system at a very kind of fundamental level. You know, it's not gross, it's a kind of background sense as if that comes from not being fully in touch. There's a, the reflex, not a thought, but a reflex that holds me together because there's a sense if I, if it, I don't hold myself together I'll fall apart yeah. it's not a thought it's a reflex and I can be pretty relaxed at times then when the pressure comes on tighten up don't hold myself together I'm going to get overwhelmed fall apart mm-hmm. so it's that so this is internal kind of Systems holding it together. We breathe in and breathe out. The idea is to really start to release and sense that we can be held without having to hold. It really is... uh, Mindfulness of breathing is a very interesting practice for that. Because it can even be the case that we can't allow ourselves to breathe in and breathe out without holding on. We come right up against that fundamental control system, tension. Just learning to, to be with that, breathing through it. You can be breathed. You know, it happens. You can't stop breathing. There's no way the breathing is going to abandon you. Till you, you know, if the moment you're born, till the moment you die, it's going to be there. Yeah. Can we undo the reflex? Can we breathe through that reflex? So we don't have to hold ourselves together. Mm-hmm. And you do this, quite a lot of stuff starts just tumbling out of the mind. <clears throat> you know, untidy things. And breathing in, breathing out, letting it <coughs> empty the cupboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So you start to let yourself be reorganized around that rhythm. And similarly, externally, you know, can we make our life, our structures breathable? So they're not metallic, they're not clipped on, they're not regimented. They're actually just sensitive ways of of being, you know, with a sense of we share the space. Because mm-hmm. you breathe in and breathe out, you recognise we're all breathing in and breathing out the same air. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, when you come to that, reorganise yourself around that principle, you get a very simple ba- sense of what everybody is. Yeah. And you, you, you know, where we get fearful, where we get possessive, where we get jealous, where we get, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, what kind of structures, what sort of systems, and also how they're held. So a lot of systems are just imposed, aren't they? You do this, you do that, with a kind of feeling it will be blame or punishment if you don't do it. Can systems arise through, how's this for you, how's this, how's this, yeah, okay, you know. We actually, they arise from mutual consent, mutual understanding. We agree to, to ways in which we can live. This is a much more breathable way. Because it's not based upon fear, but on respect. Not based upon holding yourself in, but upon recognizing we all breathe in, breathe out, we all touch, we all share the same place, we all affect each other. And we all have these possibilities to be triggered in terms of... um, Greed, craving, fear, worry. We don't want to do that. Mm. There's a lovely description of you know the, the ideal, you might say, the, the little group, monks living together, the ideal ones. These are all enlightened beings. And they're saying every day, you know, they they uh, didn't. Some, they, they'd go out on arms round and the first one who got back from the arms round look around, okay, I'll set up the meal hall today. We'll have the meal together. Then whoever finished the meal last, they'd clean up the slops and they'd just take it in turns. They'd just see what was needed. <coughs> they didn't have to have a rotor or a system. Just, you know. And they say, uh, and they bear in mind the sense of what a great thing it is to be living with with harmonious people. Can I extend my mind to consider the welfare of others? How's this for you? I take it as a great privilege to be able to help you, to be able to make life easier for you. And if you're working like that, you know, that's breathable. You can just breathe out into that. 
you know, the tension's gone. You know. Really, when you consider it, you know, what, what we can do, the possibility of what we can do with our lives, you know, many, many things we can do. On a personality level, I can sit in my room and play with my toys, push my buttons, look at my screens, read my books, click my postage stamps, look at my goldfish, whatever I want to, you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> of course, monks don't, we have a lot of stuff we can do. But, you know, you can do that. We think, actually, I'm just sick of living in my little me space all the time. I'd like to better just, you know, how do I breathe out into the world? How do I breathe in into the world? Isn't it the, one of the great privileges that we have when we can find a way in which we can serve, and we can offer, we can actually let something from ourselves come out and be breathed in by somebody else, taken in by somebody else, and they're, they're enhanced by that, they're gladdened by that. Isn't that the most wonderful thing to do? You yeah. And it's a bit like breathing out and breathing in. You know, you just release it, somebody else takes it in. And they release their thing, you take theirs in. You know, it's like that. And that kind of boundary between self and other becomes much more flexy, much more porous, much more permeable. You know, we can kind of, you know, we don't have to be tight in our spaces. We can (coughs) share, we can... Let it flow out, and also to be able to receive from others. Which is, uh, and certainly in monastic, <coughs> monastic, like one of the big challenges for myself was was just receiving things without feeling you've got to pay for it or deserve it or stammer some kind of apology. You know, receiving other people's generosity, just being able to breathe in. Yeah, you know. Uh, and, and, and and enjoy the goodness that's that's given, and then the sense of fearlessness to be able to actually bring something out. You don't well, you know, my stuff isn't much good, but just breathe it out. You know, it isn't important how good you know it is as a performance. It's just that it's coming from a generous generosity. It's coming from within oneself. And there's an attitude of just, okay, this is my little bit, you know. Maybe it's just making a (coughs) cup of tea. Maybe it's just uh, helping out. Something for me can breathe out into the world and be taken in. And then systems and structures are ways that help us, channels to do that, rather than kind of, regimentations that close us down in you know tighten us up inside ourselves so you know it gets neurotic you know about you can't clean the tea towels on Tuesday it's got to be done this way or that way you know it's kind of thing <laughs> yeah. so and it, it and then it always, it always comes back to that sense that we come back to our solitude and, you know, the, the you know, whole system feels, still feels <coughs> easy, loose, flexible, 
We hadn't tightened up. We hadn't created a big self and other situation. Uh, we've come out of the personality view. We haven't cluttered our life up with, with neuro- neurotic attachment to structures. So we're actually much more flowing and natural. And then the breathing comes back and you can sit with it, trust it, steady it and clean out these negative reflexes. Anyone?